Constant Downpour Remastered is a retro sci-fi survival hex crawl where players traverse through a near-hopeless environment that slowly whittles away their sanity, made for use with the Mothership RPG. With original soundtrack by Blake Suarez taking inspiration from 80s Moog and Roland JD8 synthesizers and Metroid Prime Stranger Things and classic side-strollers all darkened to the theme of Constant Downpour. It's funding right now on Kickstarter, so hurry up over there and back it. Welcome to Quavlies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. Joined today by my returning guest, Jason Vay of, well, I, I think I wanted to talk about a, a Indiegogo you have going on right now with Trollord Games, correct? Correct, yes. Amazing Adventures, third printing. I'm not sure if everybody is aware of Amazing Adventures. I've got the, I guess I've got the first and second printing of Amazing Adventures, but I'm a big Troll Lord Games, Castles and Crusades, Siege Engine fan. Um, could you tell the listeners a bit about what it is that's that's going on over there at Indiegogo to start with? Sure. So, um, first of all, Amazing Adventures is a sister game to Castles and Crusades. Uh, it's a multi-genre version of the Siege Engine. If you know Castles and Crusades, you can be up and running playing Amazing Adventures in 10 seconds. I mean, it's exactly the same game. It's just designed to be modern type games. So anything from like, you know, swashbuckling pirate adventures all the way to far future science fiction, amazing adventures can handle. We started the first time Troller did a non Castles and Crusades approach to the Siege Engine. It was back in the early 2000, early end of the first decade of the 2000s, I guess, around 2006, seven, something like that. They did Star Siege. Yes. And Star Siege was a really cool game, but it had a heavy learning curve. Uh, you couldn't jump right into it from Castles and Crusades. They, there was a lot of changes to it. So when we did Amazing Adventures, the driving mandate was anybody who plays Castles and Crusades needs to be able to just dive in and start playing this game. And over the years, Amazing Adventures has become a canon part of the Siege Engine rule set. So if you want like a lot of people have come to Troll Lords over the years. Psionics is a hot button issue with fantasy. Some people <laughs> love them, some people absolutely hate them. But we've had a lot of people come to us and say, when are we going to get Psionics rules for Castles and Crusades? They're there. They're in Amazing Adventures. Those are the official Psionics rules. So that's basically what Amazing Adventures is. If you're if you're a Siege Engine fan, or if you just want a really easy, fun, fast, playable system, intuitive that can handle any genre you want. That's what Amazing Adventures is for you. Excellent, excellent. Now, I know, like, for me, on my home game on Saturday nights, we run Castles and Crusades. And I will say that what I like about running the Siege Engine game is, like, before, like, we had played a lot of different various editions, but by the time I, I, I did a lot of second ed and stuff like that, by the time I, picked up and ran my first castles and crusades game a few years ago i had just wrapped up a pathfinder campaign uh and i found that pathfinder was a little bit it was a bit much for me to dm it was a lot for me to get my head around it's really really crunchy it's yeah. very rules heavy and that's that's kind of the the that's a feature of the system not a bug mm -hmm. if you if you enjoy crunchy 
tactical, rules-heavy systems that are built for min-maxing characters and optimizing builds. Mm-hmm. Pathfinder is perfect. I mean, they took yeah. they took all of the things. So th- third edition D and D had this approach where it was all about the rule book instead of about the powers in the GM's hands. And, you know, they, they put everything in the rule book and there was a rule for everything. And Pathfinder kind of took that and, and amped it up to 11. And a lot of the fans of 3.X who liked that aspect of the system rolled to it. And it's, it's been successful for years. You can't, oh, yeah. you can't fault what they've done, but it's oh, not they've for been everybody. very successful. And, and yeah. for me as, as a DM, I found it, I did find it a little overwhelming at times, and I liked the streamlined approach that Castles and Crusades took with the with the Siege engine. Uh, that's that was something that's I've been running it ever since uh, Castles and Crusades was what we're running right now on our Saturday night game. So I I, I just want to put that out there that as a system. It's one that I really appreciate. My players really appreciate. We're big fans of the way that the Siege Engine works and runs. Um, Amazing Adventures, we've actually only ran the 5th edition Amazing Adventures. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? I'm really glad you brought that up because there's a lot of confusion going on about that. And I was just saying to Steve the other day that it was probably a mistake for us to have called that Amazing Adventures 5e. Mm -hmm. Because even though it's pretty much the same game, People now think that their that Amazing Adventures is a fifth edition game, and that was never the intent. Our intent was never to switch over yeah. from the Siege Engine to fifth edition. That game was a I, I don't want to say it was a one and done because we did intend to support it as long as we can, but Amazing Adventures itself is a Siege Engine game. It's always go, it always has been, it always will be a Siege Engine game. And this Indiegogo is not a fifth edition campaign. It is a it's for a siege engine game, so I yeah I'm glad you brought that up because it's really important to get out of the way. I even saw some people on a message board uh, discussing it. A lot of people were like, "Yeah, it looks interesting, but I don't do fifth edition, so I'm not going to get in." And it's not fifth edition. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not. We swear. So. Well, the Siege engine itself, uh, I think that if you play, you say it, but a lot of people may not know what the Siege engine is or have only heard it. I know when I first discovered the game, Castles and Crusades and Amazing Adventures, and there's a few other Siege engine games as well, uh, Victorious being one that pops to my mind. There's a couple others out there. Could you tell the listeners exactly what the Siege engine is? It's, I, it's a simple enough mechanic to ex- i think to explain pretty absolutely quick. yeah it's it's super simple so before i get into the system what i like to say castles and crusades did was it took everything that made ad and d cool and ditched all of the complicated the stuff that people view as because i don't think ad and d was complicated but it ditched all <laughs> the stuff that people view as complicated and arcane and replaced it with a very streamlined universal mechanic and the way the Siege Engine works is you have two types of... Uh, it's the same six attributes that OGL players, 5e players, are familiar with. You have two types. Those attributes are divided between primary and secondary. Your class chooses one of your primary. You choose one or two others, depending on your race. Whenever you make a check, you're going to roll a d20, add your level, uh, and any other bonuses. And if it's a primary attribute, you're going to, uh, sorry, uh, let me back up because I'm getting flustered. A <laughs> D20 
plus your attribute bonus plus your level. And if it's a primary attribute, your basic difficulty is 12. If it's a secondary attribute, your basic difficulty is 18. That works for everything. Even the combat system works on that, except that your difficulty in combat is the AC of your attacker. And instead of your level, you're adding your base to hit bonus. So everything in Castles and Crusade works off what we call siege checks. Uh, and that's that's the whole system. And the siege check isn't too much different than what you even might call like like that's what you're gonna go to when you go to do your save or anything like that. You're just gonna right. do that essentially. It's, it's your it's your save it's your savings throw and all that. It's it's pretty simple and yep. I've also seen a lot of people say you know well isn't that based on you know third edition, which means it's gonna be really complicated with feats and skills and it's not. We don't have any feats. We don't have any skills. You have class abilities. And anything you want to do is an ability check. You're not making a, you know, do I have the swimming proficiency? It's you're making a dexterity check or a mm -hmm. strength check or whatever the, the castle keeper, which we call the GM, whatever they call for. So, yeah, it's it's just really simple. You can be up and playing Castles and Crusades or Amazing Adventures in 10 minutes flat. And that's including making a character. I mean, it's so fast. Yeah, it is. It is a fa much quicker character creation process than a lot of games. Definitely more quick, more swift than uh, modern editions of Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder and things like that. Uh, it's it's pretty simple. You roll your attributes. You grab your the heart. I will say the hardest thing is in making a character for Amazing Adventures is writing down your equipment, which is really cool because somebody realized that over at Troll Lord and they made an adventurous backpack where you just have like a backpack you can pick with full equipment. And there's even a deck of cards you can buy with it all written out on it so you don't have to do it every time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> we might have to do something like that for modern games, although that would be really tricky because the adventurous backpack works the best for fantasy because it, mm -hmm. it won't give you things like a cell phone or a computer. Or it's, it's all fantasy fantasy stuff but again amazing adventures that's another unique thing about amazing adventures is it does away with costs specific costs for equipment because in a modern game when you're playing a game that's let's say based on i don't know hawaii 5 or the a-team or buffy the vampire slayer or <laughs> leverage whatever let's say you're playing a game based on one of those shows it's really I mean, yes, some of those shows is about getting the payoff at the end, but it's not about hoarding gold pieces and hoarding treasure and hoarding, you know. It's really about the story and whatever the MacGuffin happens to be for that story. And you don't you don't track every dollar you have in a modern game. It's not necessary and it's not really believable. So in Amazing Adventures, everybody's assumed to be relatively middle class unless you have abilities like the socialite is assumed to be wealthier and you just you choose whatever equipment is reasonable for your character to have access to mm -hmm. at any given time which cuts down on a lot of little like do i have five dollars here and do i have a hundred dollars <laughs> there and do i have no it's just would my character reasonably have a laptop and a car yes they would so that's basically how we do equipment in in amazing adventures now I want to talk about something with the new one and in contrast. I I I 
I'm gonna be hundred. I probably shouldn't say this. This is this is gonna be a bad, terrible thing to say. But <laughs> when it comes to the the castles and crusades books, I really loved that the logo that they had been using until the recent printings. But I like the recent printing covers of the new castles and crusades books. They are very reminiscent of the original AD&D Advanced Dungeons and Dragons core books. They're kind of almost like modern tribute. The tribute they're tributes. Yes. Yep, they're tributes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really cool and they look good and they have a really neat style to them. Now, the cover for the Amazing Adventures book looks like it fits perfectly in line with that new set of C&C uh core books with the, the 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 style and aesthetic and everything so mm -hmm. i'm kind of excited it's like i'm getting the rest of the collection <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this well yeah that's that's really one of the reasons why we're doing that is because we've been trying to push for, for forever it seems like since amazing adventures came out that it's a core part of the castles and crusades universe mm -hmm. so this was another step forward and it, and it kind of looks to some people like this is a second edition, and it's not, because the game is not substantially changing in any way. What we're doing is we're giving it a major facelift that it's been due for for quite some time. We're doing new layout, we're doing new art, and we're separating it. Instead of the core rulebook, the companion, and the monster book, we're going to have a player's handbook, a, ca a chronicle keeper's guide, and a monster book. The monster book is not part of this campaign. That's coming a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the, we originally planned for it to be part of this campaign, but there's a lot of development to do on it yet, and we wanted to make sure we got it right. We didn't want to just rush it out. So we're doing the Player's Handbook and the Chronicle Keeper's Guide right now. But yeah, the idea was to to develop a look that fits with Castles and Crusades. So it'll look on your shelf, and you'll look at it, and you'll see that this is all part of the same universe. You know, even though it's its own core game, it's, it's a seamless part of it. And Castles and Crusades can boost your Amazing Adventures game, and Amazing Adventures can boost your Castles and Crusades. I mean, with Amazing Adventures, you're getting, I don't remember how many we have now, but it's over a dozen more character classes, all of which can be used in Castles and Crusades. We have character customization rules in Amazing Adventures, like generic class abilities that let you swap out one of your class abilities for something else, so that you can make little tweaks to your character so that they do something a little different. Just all kinds of, like, neat optional things like that that you can use if you want you don't have to but you can use them to enhance your game so so i've got i've got a question i'm gonna kind of deviate from talking about amazing adventures for a bit i and i'd, I'd like to mine your mine your mind a little bit about what about maybe suggestions you might have for others who are creating games because you you've created quite a few games at this point i'm not even I, I i was gonna grab i picked up another one of your books here recently i was gonna grab it to bring it over here and i completely forgot i just grabbed the amazing adventures books <laughs> which book was it i'm curious um i'm trying to remember the give me two seconds and i'll tell you okay Ah. Uh it is Spell, spellcraft and swordplay yeah spellcraft and swordplay i was, did that was... back in 2009 <laughs> i think i did the beta test of that yeah 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 that one started uh there's an interesting story behind that and it's you can still get it on drive through rpg that started as so i'm i'm a regular now semi-regular but i used to be an avid poster on the original dnd discussion forums it's odd 74 at yes. pro boards and there's that's been a scholarship site, for amazingly cool community. Anybody that's into gaming, old school or new school gaming, 
everybody there is just such a cool person. But there's a lot of scholarship that goes on there, especially about the early days of Dungeons and Dragons and how, because the original little three brown books are so much fun to play, but there's a lot of wiggle room there. There's a lot that isn't filled in, and that was by design. And that's something that people are just starting to rediscover, that it's good to not have everything filled in. <laughs> it's good to work things out with your group and come up with your own spin. But anyways, those books refer to Chainmail, which was the original miniatures game that D&D grew out yes. of in the first place. So they refer to Chainmail, and they talk about Chainmail as for combat rules. They never explain how it's supposed to work. Um, and it came out years and years later that Gary Gygax and his friends, when they played D&D, never even used the Chainmail rules. They always <laughs> used the D20 combat. But it led to a discussion about, so if we were going to use Chainmail, how would this work? And I started playing around and putting down notes, and as I tend to do. And before I knew what happened, I basically wrote an entire game based around the idea of using this 2D6 man-to-man -man miniatures combat system as the core basis for an, a role-playing game. And that, that's basic, basically that's where Spellcraft and Swordplay came from. But I did. I did not realize that. That's pretty cool. So this is essentially chainmail, uh, a role playing game with the chainmail rules that were never used in combat. To some inspired, extent. <laughs> inspired, inspired by, by, inspired by. I like yes. that. I yes. like that. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to dig into it a little bit. I, I've never, I never played the original three, three books. Like, I'll be honest, the only D&D &D that I played even coming up until recent years was a D&D. I didn't play basic. So I'll tell you what, and I only really <laughs> I only really got into original Dungeons and Dragons, you know, Woodgrain slash White Box in the early 2000s. Um I've been gaming for 43 years now, mm -hmm. um since 1979. But I only got into original. I started with AD and D first edition. I, I only got into OD and D in the early two thousands. And at this point, if you ask me a suggestion for a new game designer, I would say go play original Dungeons and Dragons. Get a feel for where it all came from and how it all started, and try to get into the mindset where those people were coming from. It's valuable. It's it's a valuable perspective. On, on gaming because it's it's quite a different experience than it is playing. I, I mean, we have so many different eras of role-playing games. Oh, like yeah. you have that early era that was original Dungeons and Dragons and then Holmes Basic. And then arguably AD&D started a second era that ran through the 80s. And fans will argue ad infinitum whether AD&D <laughs> second edition is, you know, blah, 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 blah. I think second edition is... a a reasonable evolution of first edition. My I, personal. I am a huge fan of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Second Edition. <laughs> I know a lot of people aren't, but I am. But then you get into the '90s where Vampire the Masquerade came out, and mm -hmm. and uh, gaming took a quantum shift in paradigm there, where it was about deep character development and story, and you know, uh, uh, factions and politics, and you know, like Vampire really changed gaming fundamentally for a lot of people and then when wizards of the coast bought dungeons and dragons and third edition came out you had a new paradigm shift because that was where gaming very much became tactical and it became about the rules and there was this very false idea that DD &D started as a miniatures game it didn't yes it started from guys who played chainmail 
But D&D itself, the original three little brown books, they actually say that miniatures are only good for aesthetic value. <laughs> Flat out says it in the book. So, And we know now that Gary Gygax never actually used miniatures when he played. So it became this thing in, in the early 2000s of, and that's really, really kind of where you had this line drawn between miniatures gamers and role-playing gamers, which mm -hmm. wasn't there before. Because the truth of the matter is, while old versions of D&D may not have been miniatures games, most of the people that played them also played miniatures games. Mm -hmm. You didn't really have this war between is D&D a miniatures game or not until that came out, until that happened. From my point of view, I'm sure there's going to be, you're going to get people like, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and this, but that's my opinion. My remember, memory of the 90s, we, we never, my game group never used minis for our D&D &D or our role-playing for D&D &D or for like riffs or any of those games usually, but we would play miniatures games like Hero Quest being mm -hmm. one, and then some little, I remember a few little uh, like more tactical type miniature games that we would do but we were primarily role players but we would definitely dabble in some minis games but they weren't necessarily role-playing games most of the time right. we played those it was a similar type of game that we would get into and i right. like board games with minis and i've played those for years there's a few that i love <laughs> and i think that's true of a lot of people but i think it was right around the time that third edition hit the market that you started having these people like draw a split between I'm a miniatures gamer and I'm a role playing gamer and is D and D a mm -hmm. miniatures game and which is all just play it the way you want to play it and yeah. have fun you know but it's just a it's just a, an interesting observation on the different evolutions of role playing game and what what games showed up on the scene to cause the paradigm shift and I'm sure there's plenty of others in there but <laughs> those are the ones that did jump out to me so. Yeah, and that was the first time I actually used a mini in game was post third. Actually, it was even more recently. It's actually during the Pathfinder stuff I started dabbling and using a few minis. I still don't have a lot, but that's the first time I really approached trying to use a mini in my role playing game. Before that, I had a few minis here, those old pewter minis. And like you said, they were aesthetic. Sometimes people would bring them to game and sit them on their book or in front of them mm -hmm. or play with it, like literally just play with it. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm James's fellow here. Look at you. <laughs> but that was the extent of it that we do when we played back then. <laughs> I'll tell you what we do now is because we're very much, we used miniatures in the early third edition days for a while. And we all just got tired of five round combat taking three hours to do because of all the tactical yeah. movement and stuff like that. And we went back to theater of the mind for combat. But what we do now is, and I got this idea from Eden studios who suggested it in originally now, I'm sure somebody else might have done it before them, but I first saw it in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer role-playing game. Mm -hmm. And the suggestion was when you make a character, cast them. Like, figure out somebody in Hollywood, an actor, a singer, a professional wrestler, somebody that if you had an unlimited budget and unlimited resources who would portray your character in a movie or TV show. My groups have done that ever since with every character we play in any game. It's so much better when I say my character looks like a young Dennis Leary. Everybody knows exactly what he looks like <laughs> and exactly what his personality is immediately, yeah. you know? Yeah, I like that. That's definitely a thing that has, well, we were, especially when we were playing uh, games like Heroes Unlimited and stuff like that back in the day. We were constantly, mm -hmm. I definitely remember 
It looks like Bruce Willis, <laughs> like literally at the game table. We may not have been casting as a part, but I definitely remember game masters and people being like, well, he looks like Steve Buscemi, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that constantly happened during the game. Right. People would like refer to some famous person to describe something. <laughs> he looks like the girl from you. Remember that movie? <laughs> yep before we could look it up on the internet and have the answer. It's just it. such an easy reference for everybody at the table to picture right away. Like I had a character, an NPC show up in a game I'm running on Fridays right now. And I'm trying to describe him. I'm like, you know what? He's Morgan Freeman. And everybody's like, okay. <laughs> I definitely have an image in my head often. And, and 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 voices and stuff like that and i think if i w- could have just instead of trying to emulate or describe just throwing out there who i was picturing may have helped everybody to catch on quicker but part of the fun for me was trying to describe it yeah <laughs> seeing what it became of on its own as well given its own life as a gm but that's another story for another time i think we've covered we've covered amazing adventures and i wanted to ask you uh, what suggestions you have you might have for creators and you said to check out the old D original yep go back D&D to the origins of it all and, and play it uh, just to get a feel for you know where everything came from other than that it's hard to give somebody advice on how to be creative because yeah. that's what it's all about i mean write the game don't try to write the game that you think other people want because it's not going to be good mm-hmm you, you can only write what you want to play. You can only write what you want to play, and, and hopefully it'll find an audience. Mm-hmm. If you try to write for everybody else, now, that's true. It's only true to a point. I mean, there's certain things you have to do to appease an audience. It just is, and you, you learn that as you go. I, there's no, no inexhaustible list. But you got to write the game, that you, make the game that you want to play. Use the mechanics. I got one. Here we go. Don't try to be different just to be different. Don't think you have to come up with some brand new system just because you need to come up with something brand new system that you can play. There's a reason why there's several types of core systems that are tried and true and people go back to. There's only a few actual major types of systems. You know, There's roll a die, add bonuses, and go for a target number. Mm-hmm. There's Roll a die and try to get under a number. There's roll a fistful of dice and count successes. Mm-hmm. And there's roll a fistful of dice and add them all up. Of those, the last one is probably not the best to go with because roll a fistful of dice and add them all up takes forever at the table. <laughs> Honestly, it really slows down gameplay. No matter how fast you are at counting dice, it's going to slow down gameplay. Mm-hmm. So you probably want to avoid that. But it really comes down to what your style of gaming is. I personally prefer rules light games. I want the rule system to get out of the way and let everybody focus on telling a good story. Some people really dig the mechanics and the crunchiness of it, so they're going to create a, an entirely different game. Um, you just have to you have to write the game that you want to play. That's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. Excellent, excellent. So we're going to be coming up on time here soon. I wanted to know if you could tell folks a little bit about the Indiegogo and where they can go to to pick up or, or to back uh, Amazing Adventures and what they can expect with what's going on there. 
yeah, so again, this is the third for the third printing of Amazing Adventures. We're giving the game a major, major facelift and reorganization of the rules. It's going to be really awesome. Right now, um, because everybody was expecting us to do the monster book with this and we weren't able to, we're giving away a free PDF of the original Manual of Monsters, which is now out of print. It's short, but it will give you a free PDF of a bunch of monsters that you can use. So everybody who backs gets that free PDF right now. We've added it on. I've got a question real quick. Sure. Kind of really, you said it's short. Is the, is the new, when, when a new manual of monsters comes out, is it going to be larger or different? Yes. Than the existing? Oh, yes. It's going to be great. That that's going to be the biggest change is that the manual of monsters is now going to be called the codex monstorum. Oh, and it's, nice. it's going to be huge. Like we're going to have horror movie monsters in there. We're going to have urban legend monsters in there. We're going to, the monsters are going to be divided up by types. So you'll have animals, you'll have monsters of urban legend, you'll have dinosaurs, you'll have monsters of mythology. So they're all going to be, you know, in, in categories. Uh, there's going to be, I don't know, I don't have the list in front of me to count, but <laughs> there's going to be a lot of monsters in there. The goal, and again, we are still in development on this, so everything can, everything is subject to change. So don't quote me on anything I say as gospel. The goal is to have a mo one monster per page. Mm -hmm. and do more expanded monster layouts than we've done in past books to go with more of a traditional monster book feel that, that we think people prefer. Um, so there's going to be more artwork. There's going to be more monsters and they're all going to be focused towards modern and multi-genre gaming. Interesting. So. Interesting. That sounds, that sounds really cool. I'm excited for that. I'm, I am really excited. I can't wait to get that out of the shelf with my other Catholic. First, first, we got to get through this one, though. Yeah. First, we got to get through this one, though. Go on over to go on over to India. Go go. There's amazing adventures. Is the it's, it's the it's the it's not the Castle Keepers guy. It's a Player's Handbook and <sighs> Player's the, Handbook Chronicle Keepers Chronicle guy. Keepers guy. Yes. Yeah, so we wanted to change GM to CK so that it fit with Castles and Crusades, but mm -hmm. Castle Keeper doesn't work for a modern. So we went Chronicle Keeper. Excellent. So, I, I, know, yeah. I like that. I appreciate it. That's pretty good. Yeah. And is there is there a, a was there another thing in in that as well, like a screen or something that was happening? Yes, uh, the GM screens are, are in. We're bringing back the GM screens. Uh, we finally found somebody to do it, and we've kind of gone old school. We're going back to the cardstock mm -hmm. screens like instead that. of those big, heavy, expensive hardcover book style stock. We're going back to the old school gatefold. Yes. You know, and and if anybody wants to see what they look like, you can get the the current castles or castles and crusades screens or the, that type of yes, material. I got, so. I, I've got the current one. It's pretty good. I've got I've got like three or four different castles and crusades. Screens yeah, me in too. My yeah, I'm re I'm really super excited that that and Steve and I looked literally looked for years to find a new producer for screens, mm -hmm. uh, and we finally found these guys that could do it, and they did my night shift veterans of the supernatural war screens and they did the castles in fact steve and i went in joint elf lair and uh troll lord to do the cnc screens and the night shift screens together in one order, oh, excellent. excellent uh to save money on it but uh, they came out really nice and we're really pleased with them so that's probably what the what the amazing the interior of the screens will probably be the same as the old amazing adventure screens mm -hmm. i don't see much reason to change them the exterior is going to be the new cover art. Oh, and I'm uh, Steve will kill me if I don't mention. So sometime this week, it'll probably already be out by the time you air this. But uh, we're dropping the cover for the Chronicle Keepers Guide. The new oh, cover. Oh, exciting! Yeah, and it, it's going to it's going to fit end to end 
with the player's handbook to make one long panoramic. Oh, nice. Image. And yeah. that'll be the and that'll be the castle the, I mean, so the Chronicle Keeper screen. <laughs> yes, I think I think both of the books, the PHB and the CKG, I think will be the artwork on the on the screens. That's again, cool. don't quote me, but I think that's the plan. That yeah. is cool. I hope so. So could you tell the listeners where they can find you online? Uh, I mean, you can find me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at uh, Elflair Jason TLG. That's my Twitter. I'm on Facebook at uh, if you go to Facebook.com groups slash Amazing Adventures, I can be found there. The Indiegogo, if you just look up for Amazing Adventures multi-genre RPG, that's the Indiegogo project. Mm-hmm. And we really need support. So hopefully people will be up for like a fast playing, fun, rules light, do anything game. And they'll get in there and hopefully support our, our new Indiegogo campaign. We, we really could use the support. So Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It, it, it's been a great getting a chance to catch back up with you. You too. You too. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hail Crom. I'm on TikTok now at Logar Hail Crom. We're on Patreon. We can really support patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. Go check out the amazing adventures. India Go Go right now before it's too late and back that and get your copies. It's going to go look great on your shelf with your Castles and Crusades books. And as always, keep those dice rolling.